You are listening to The Attitude Zone with Dr. J.G. Rodriguez. Once again, hello, friends. Thank you again so very much for listening to this podcast, for tuning in, for subscribing. I sure do appreciate your support. Uh, I hope you've had a wonderful week. I know here in San Antonio, we've had quite a bit of a challenge as the coronavirus cases has gone up. There's more restrictions that go, that are going on, but I hope that you, my listeners, are taking the necessary precautions, that you guys are staying safe. Make sure to wash your hands and be clean, especially during this, this summer season here in San Antonio, which is extremely hot. I know that it can be pretty uncomfortable to wear the mask because of the heat. So, you know, if you don't have to leave your house, don't, you know, try to stay home, get yourself active, read a book, watch a movie, binge watch Netflix. I know my wife and I, we've done that a couple of times. So, you know, just, I really would like for all of you to be safe, uh, healthy, and that you are back on your feet to be able to accomplish all that you have in mind to do. Well, again, today I want to talk to you about you don't need history to make history. You know, the a uh, few years back when I went back to school in 2008, I did it because I wanted to leave a legacy for my children. As I mentioned, I wanted my children to be proud of uh, of me. And again, not because they weren't, but it was more for my satisfaction than anything else. And going back to school was quite a challenge uh, because there, no one in my family had, had done that before. So there was no history of that. Back in, you know, I was born here in, in the States. Uh, I was born in, in Laredo, Texas. Then my parents um, filed paperwork and all to uh, immigrate here to this wonderful nation of ours. And my dad and my mom did this because they believe that coming to this nation would offer us a better opportunity, a better opportunity for success. Things that their country, because uh, they were Mexican origin, they were born there, and they didn't believe that th their home country, their homeland would offer us the many opportunities that we do have here in the United States. Uh, so they decided to leave everything behind and make the journey up north. They, they used to call it uh, El Otro Lado, the other side. And uh, they decided to come back to this side and to come to this side and bring all of us, you know, at the time when my dad finally got the approval to come to the States, it was my dad, my mom, And it was uh, seven of us. <laughs> yeah. And my dad came to work and he was making minimum wage. He was a butcher by trade. So he was making minimum wage. And somehow, some way, God provided for all of us with my dad's minimum wage income. We made do. You know, we, we did a lot of things. We were migrant workers. We went and we picked potatoes early, early. Me and my three older siblings would get up, I don't know, somewhere around four o'clock in the morning and go to the fields and pick potatoes till the sun went down. And then we'd come home and, you know, rest a little bit and then do it again the next day. And we did it so 
for extra income, number one, and number two, so they, they offered us uh, school supplies and, and different items like that. So it was it was a way for us to make do. Again, it may seem like it was um, nothing, but to us, that was a big deal because, you know, we came from our home where I grew up. We had dirt floors and cardboard walls and the roof would fly off whenever it rained uh it was those tin roofs and i'm sure you've seen them in some third world country movies that you you may have watched and that's why that's the way i grew up we didn't have electricity for a long time and we didn't have running water uh, we would get water i don't know i think it was two times a week or three times a week and uh, they would my older siblings and i would would go about two blocks or so from to get water where it was uh, being distributed. And we would come back with pails and, you know, just for a few hours, everybody, you know, my grandparents, my parents, we all would go and, and try to get the items, the water anyways, back home. And, and we would put it in big um, 50 gallon or so tanks that we had. And, we would dump all the water there so that we can have for the week whatever we needed it. Some of that water we used, um, you know, to to shower, <laughs> to make sure that we stayed clean. And, and the set, at the same time, you know, some of the water was used to, to make meals or to give us something to drink and whenever we did have uh, food and the such. So... But, you know, so we, we grew up, I grew up working pretty much the whole time. And since I was four, I remember going with my grandpa uh, in, if you ever, if you've ever been to Mexico and you've seen kids walking around selling uh, all kinds of different items, I was one of them kids. My, my grandpa would take me early in the morning and we would sell stuff and, Sometimes, you know, he would barter with the sugarcane seller so that he can give me just the sugarcane and I would chew on that to ease my hunger. And we did that, you know, by the time we came here to the States, it was 1979 and we thought we were rich, that we won the lotto and we just, my siblings and I, we were just amazed at where we lived. It was, it was in the West Side. It was the the projects, what many people call the projects, but they had concrete and the walls were thick and rain didn't come in and we were just amazed and we thought my dad had won the lotto, but obviously, you know, he was working just a minimum wage job. Once he got here, he found one and that's what he did. And then my dad always pushed us, you know, to make sure that we were hard workers and providers. And and that's what we did. So when I dropped out of high school, it was for that purpose, part of the reason, you know, again, you know, I can make up so many excuses as to why. But the reality is I, I didn't have the, the discipline or the drive to finish. And and I dropped out, you know, so back in 2008, when I was going to go back I really struggled because looking back in my life and in my family tree, my two older sisters dropped out as well. I hope, you know, they they don't get mad at me for exposing them. <laughs> uh, 
my older brother, the same thing. He dropped out. And I was the fourth one, and I dropped out. I eventually, you know, I joined the Navy and went and uh, changed my life a little bit. And but there, you know, the my four siblings after us, because after we came here, my mom had another baby. And but my four siblings after us, uh, they all graduated high school, and that was that was a great accomplishment because you know it, my the sister after me, she was the first one to graduate high school, so she made history for our family in that regard because my dad didn't didn't even attend middle school uh nor my mom because in mexico you know you have to pay and it's not free education as it is here in the state so that was part of the reason why my parents wanted to come over here to offer us an opportunity to do something more to go a little further than they did and so going back to school in 2008 i was close to 38 years old and Really, I struggled because there was no history behind me. No one had gone to college. No one, well, I should say no one had completed college. I tried it after I got my GD. I tried it and just, again, dropped out and couldn't finish. And, you know, that that's where I get my, my title for today is that you don't need history to make history because I was trying to look for someone or something to encourage me in the past, someone someone who was a trailblazer, someone who laid the path for me, you know, who trailed a, a path for me so that I can get my education done and completed and finished. And it just, it seemed like there was nothing there. So I had to go to different motivational factors. And, and one of those was my, my dad's, willingness and sacrifice my mom and dad as they left uh, their country and brought their family over here we came with nothing we my dad and my mom gave everything and sold whatever they could the few things that they had and we got a, a bag of clothes and then we got on the bus and we came over here and there started our journey here in the u.s and Growing up in the West Side, it was very easy for me to fall into the wrong crowds or, you know, well, I, I should say it, it wasn't wrong crowds because those guys are still my friends. I, I have friends that my first friends from the West Side, I still hang out with them. I still talk to them. But the habits that I developed were were easy to develop in that environment. Some years back, the Express News there was a newspaper way back when newspapers were were still very popular. But the Express News had an article about my the zip code that I grew up in. It's in the West Side. It's a seven eight two zero seven. And in this article, the the writer I forget which who the writer was, but I do remember the content, uh, or at least the major points of it. In this article, it said. Um, that the zip code 78207 was pretty much a lost cause. That everyone that grew up there in that area of town, people bred prostitutes, drug addicts, alcoholics, abusers. That's all that came out of the West Side. At least, you know, I'm paraphrasing and generalizing quite a bit, but that was the the gist of that of that article 
And I remember reading it and getting upset, getting upset because uh, how easy it was um, to label uh, a group of people. But then I realized that to some degree, at least in my case, that was true. My, my dad or my mom, they didn't, they didn't do drugs. They didn't use drugs. My mom didn't drink, never drank. She didn't smoke, no drugs. My dad drank and smoked a little bit, but then he quit and he would drink every once in a while. And, and so it wasn't like there was history there, but in the area, I hung out with a lot of my friends and that was something that we did. We had to grow up. So I got into all the drugs and alcohol and fights and after the Navy, I came back and went back to the same area and just, you know, kept getting in trouble and all. Went back, it went to jail, in and out of jail quite a few times. So by the time I was 25, I was pretty tired of my life. I was going to end my life. And I had a, what I call a spiritual awakening. You know, the, there was a Bible study, home Bible study that I went to. And that's where God really changed my life. And from that moment forward, I have been serving him. And then it, that was in 1996. So I was uh, just a day after my 25th birthday. So in, uh, in 2008, when I went back, this is almost 12 years later. It's like, you know, it took me a little while to really get everything situated and, and kind of moving in the right direction when you spend your life making mistakes you know it's going to take you a while to get to the fruit that you want you know you, you're going to have to start doing good while you're still reaping the bad rewards from the past and you know i understood that so i i, I was working pretty hard at everything that i was doing and by the time I went back to school, I had four children and I, I wanted a legacy that, that they could look to as history. And, and I didn't have it. I, I didn't have anything to give them. I didn't have anything to look to, to say, we can do this. Uh, because in my family tree, no one had uh, graduated college. You know, and, and I'm talking about my family tree when we talk about my my mom and on her side and then my dad and his side. And at least, you know, I went through over 100 or 200 people in my family tree as far as cousins and the such. And there was nobody, nobody that had graduated college. And uh, so I was starting something that no one had done. The great thing is that my wife had finished college. She had a bachelor's degree. So in that sense, I imagine I had some type of history to look to, but it wasn't personal. It wasn't in my blood. So I had to create something new and it was tough. I wanted to quit a number of times. I talked to my wife and my wife encouraged me to keep going and so I finished my bachelor's. Well, when I started my bachelor's, I, I met one of the one of the professors that I had. She had a Ph.D. And she told me a story about what she does as a consultant and, you know, and the such and, you know, how much time it takes her 
to do that and how much money she would make off of that. And, and I said, you know, I've been doing all of this the wrong way. I've been working too hard. I said, that's what I want. I want, I want a PhD. If she can do this, then why, why can't I, you know, there, there, and I didn't think of, you know, I never imagined, I never thought about a privilege, what, what so many people are talking about right now. Nowadays, you know, the, the privilege and this person has privilege and that person and these people don't have the opportunity or any, any of that because I, I just, I really never saw it. Now, I'm not blind to the fact that some people may experience that, you know, and, and it, it's horrible that any, anybody would feel that, that they would take away resources, you know, to give to somebody else. But regardless, I, I just never imagined it. I never thought about it. I just knew that I made, me personally, I made bad decisions that got me to that place where I was. And, you know, I, I just, I was tired. I didn't want that anymore. So when this professor said that, I said, I, you know, I made up my mind. I said, I'm going to do something here. Uh, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change the trajectory of my children forever. You know, I want my bloodline to have a better opportunity just like my dad and my mom gave me a better opportunity. Now I want them to have something better after me. And, and I moved forward. I wanted to quit. My wife encouraged me to, to keep going. And then I finished and I went for my master's. And since we have a church, I figured, you know, getting a master's in divinity to help me uh, be a better leader to our church and be well-rounded in my my knowledge of scripture and the such so i went and did that and that took me four years uh, to finish because it's it was quite intense but anyways getting back but then i knew that the end goal was a phd so i started my phd and at the end of my first semester in the phd as we were about to begin my second semester, it, it's uh, 12 semesters that we had of coursework. And as we were about to start my second semester of, of my PhD, my dad died. I had an opportunity to tell him, you know, that I was starting this, this uh, PhD program. And he didn't really understand it. He didn't really know why I would want such a thing. As a matter of fact, he didn't understand why I went back to school to get a bachelor's degree or why even get a master's. And certainly, you know, he, he couldn't understand or reason why I would want a PhD. But he knew that I started and he knew that it was important. He knew that it was important to me and that it was important for my future. So he encouraged me and he said, you're going to do it. And the last few years of my dad's life, you know, he was always very encouraging and, and loving. I have voicemail messages that he left me uh, on my birthday and just different things, you know, and how encouraging he was and telling me he loved me. And, you know, so it was something different, you know, and, well, you know, fast forward, it took me about uh, five years, five and a half years or so to finish the, the PhD with the the writing of the dissertation, the defense of the dissertation. And the day of my public defense, my mom went. My mom is still a Spanish speaker, primarily. 
understands uh, a little bit of English, but not the technical terms that I was using or anything like that, you know, during the my dissertation, the defense. And at the end, my professor through a translator, you know, I translated for my mom. The chair asked my mom what she thought. And, you know, my mom said, I, I don't know what this means, but I am proud of my son. You know, so that, that was the history that I had, that my parents didn't really know about education and higher education and how beneficial it can be. This this past June, our second born graduated high school. So we have two children that graduated high school, and both of them so far graduated with honors, cum laude and with honors. Both of them are at the university now. I have two more coming up that are that will be graduating. And their conversations are quite different than the ones that I had when I was their age. And they speak about a master's because in the process of, you know, us raising them, we always spoke to them about doing better and reaching higher and dreaming bigger and accomplishing more. And now they have history when i was getting my masters my wife joined me and we both worked on our masters so she accomplished her goal as well she has her masters in education and we told the kids you know we want you to do better better than us and they they speak of going to college and getting at least a master's. A couple of them say, you know, I'm going to go all the way and get a PhD. I would not be surprised if all four of them went and got a PhD because they were old enough to see me navigate through that and accomplish the goal. They understand the rigors. They understand the challenges that come with it. And, you know, throughout their life, my wife and I have made it made an effort to made a conscious effort to to help them, to encourage them, to tell them, to speak up to them, to always bring them up, to be their biggest cheerleaders and encourage them in, in everything that they did. If they played sports, we were there. If uh, they got an A, we were there cheering for them. They joined the band. We were there. Whatever it was, we wanted them to know that we were proud of them. Any any way that they did. If their best was to get a C, then we would be happy. You know, I always told them, you know, I just want you to do your best in everything that you do. Don't ever cheat yourself. Because cheating yourself is not going to help you. You can't blame people. You can't blame the system. You can't blame anyone else. You can accomplish this. And come to find out that I, I, my kids were telling me that, that they heard <laughs> that, that they're considered as children of privilege. And I was like, wow. You know, what to me, that, that was somewhat of a compliment because in my lifetime, a few years ago, you know, when I was a child, 
we didn't have anything. There was no privilege. You know, the, there's a story my dad would tell us about one Christmas. Uh, we had run out of food. There was nothing else. And uh, we were just waiting pretty much to die. You know, there was nothing else to eat. And the story is that my mom and my dad say is that my dad was praying and saying, you know, we need something to eat. And then uh, a pig walked in. Uh, somehow a pig made his way into our house. A again, you know, we didn't have security or, you know, it was dirt floors and everything. So my dad, being a butcher, looked at the pig and, you know, <laughs> and I tell people, I say, man, I, that pig was toast. I feel sorry for the pig. He was done. But we were able to eat and, you know, so we didn't have privilege. There is no privilege in, in my history, but my children have been told that they have privilege. And that is because my wife and I have worked extremely hard to get them here, to get them to this point. And that's what I want you to understand. That's what I want you to do. It doesn't matter how many people are for you or how many people are against you. It doesn't matter if someone in your past laid a trail, laid the way, has the plan on how to become a millionaire or a success or an entrepreneur. Be the first one. If there's no one there, you be the first one. Become the history maker because you don't need history to make history. You can be the first one. Be the first one in your bloodline. Be the first one in your family. Be the first one to graduate high school. Be the first one to graduate college. Be the first one to get a graduate degree. Be the first one to start your own business. Be first. Don't wait for somebody to get you by the hand and get you there. You have all the resources, especially here in the United States. You have every opportunity. Don't listen to all the negativity that is out there. Determine within yourself that you can do this. And I guarantee you, you will accomplish this and you will do great things. If you are determined, if you put hard work and you never give up, eventually you will succeed. That's just the, the way to go. Don't ever give up. You don't need history to make history. You can do this. And I know you can accomplish it. Lastly, after I finished my uh, bachelor's degree and, you know, now a PhD, my oldest sister went, she has her uh, bachelor's in finance. My other sister has an associate's now. And, you know, so things are beginning to roll. And, and I believe that all you have to do is break that ceiling over your head and you will see the rest of your family follow. Be a history maker. Don't wait for history in order for you to start doing something. Again, thank you so very much for listening to this podcast. I, I hope that you are enjoying it. And I hope that you are being encouraged and learning something from it. Again, please let family and friends know about my podcast. You can listen at theattitudezone.com drjgrod.com. You can also email me at theattitudezone at drjgrod.com. Again, thank you so very much. And we will talk again 
next week. Have a wonderful week.